Hey friends, welcome to the Nation's Weekly Podcast. My name is Joseph Carlson and I serve as the editor-in-chief here as well as one of the primary hosts of this weekly space that we hope is going to become a bit of an invitation to you. It'll be a number of different things. It'll be a behind-the-scenes look at what it means to be building a media company in this day and age. But more than that, you'll get to join us as we try and journey towards building more than just a magazine or a media company, but really a movement of people who are committed to hope in an age of cynicism, who are curious about the world, and who are hungry for stories that inspire hope and transformation. Before we get to that, we thought it appropriate as a staff to sit down and to have a conversation that kind of explores the origin story of who we are and how we got here, as well as what is the problem that we're trying to solve. So this week's episode is the first of four conversations. We're calling it Origin Story Part One, a vision, a move, a magazine. And it will chronicle the Parker's move from the Northwest down to California and the new vision for nations that was birthed all the way up to the point where we publish our first magazine. The following conversations will then explore the next phase of the nation's journey as we grew as a nonprofit produced our first documentary film and launched the original version of our podcast. The last two episodes of this first four are going to explore our four core values, which is what we think sets us apart and makes us unique as a media company and as storytellers. So just want to thank you for joining us for episode one of the New Nations podcast, and we hope that you enjoy this week's conversation. Friends, welcome to the very first episode of the New Nations podcast in some ways. We've had a podcast before. Some of you have been listening to it because some of you have been following Nations for years now as we've been on this exciting, uh, thrilling, and sometimes terrifying story to kind of discover actually what Nations is. And uh, as you can see, you are now sitting in kind of the central living room space in some ways of the new nation's office because you, you've got the construction behind me and it's fitting. We decided we wanted to record this conversation at this time in this location because it just feels really apropos. We're, we're building something. We're building an office, a new one. We're building a team uh, that's like that looks like both an internal staff team, but then also this growing decentralized network of of creators, of artists, of photographers, cinematographers, writers, poets, and reformers. And so we wanted to take a second and to invite you into the journey. If you haven't been with us before, this will be the first time you receive this invitation. Some of you, though, like I said, have been following along with us for years, and we realize that in doing so, you might not have actually gotten a glimpse behind the curtain in some ways and have heard the story about how nations has slowly progressed and evolved. So we thought that this would be kind of a perfect moment to just pause, to have a conversation, to introduce you to the team as it stands right now, and to give you a little bit of the backstory of how we got to where we're at and then to cast a little bit of a vision of what you can expect for us going forward. In addition to taking a little bit of time to unpack just four of kind of the core guiding values that inform not only what we do here, but how we do it, and also who we as a people and as a creative community long to be. So 
Welcome. This won't probably be titled episode number one. I don't know, maybe it will be because we've done some in the past, but it is a new beginning in some ways. So we're thrilled to have you. My name is Joseph Carlson. I get to serve as the editor-in-chief here, and I'm going to be kind of the primary host of this conversation today, but that will probably look a little bit different uh, going forward in the future. So before we jump into some of the story and the background and some of the fun stuff that you guys don't know about how we all ended up around this table and what is Nations doing and up to now and what's next, all exciting things, uh, I just want to take a second to introduce my friends and conversation partners today. And so... We're gonna do this silly little thing and I'm only gonna force you to do it once, uh, but we're gonna go around the circle and we're gonna end with me. Um, but I, I need you to answer some very important questions for our audience, which is one, what is your full name? Because middle names are important and oftentimes there's fun stories behind them. Two, where are you originally born? Because where people are from is also sometimes fun or boring. And then three, what is your role here at Nations? And then finally, I know Steven's dying to answer this question. <laughs> what is your either, it's a multiple choice, choose your own adventure. What is your greatest fear or what is your favorite dance move? With the caveat is if you choose the latter favorite dance move, you have to perform it. Oh, it doesn't have to be on the table, please. but I mean, you have to perform it in some capacity. So <laughs> It cannot be on the table, just to be clear. Be, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, sir. So uh, I am Stephen Vincent Elliott. Mm. Uh, my middle name, actually, I was named after the uh, Green Bay Packers football coach, Vince Lombardi. My, no way. My dad was a football coach, basketball coach for years and years. And he I did was, not know that. Yeah. Or did I? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that was, he was always, I guess, an inspirational figure for my dad as a coach. And so uh, that's where my middle name comes from. So yeah, I'm Stephen Vincent Elliott. I was born in Hayes, Kansas. Um, the locals would refer to it as Hayes America. So if you're listening from Hayes America, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, lived in California now for a couple of years, uh, spent a few years, number of years, actually over a decade in the Puget Sound, Olympia, Washington area. So, which is a requirement apparently for working at Nations. Um, and what was the other? Oh man, you forgot the, the most well, fun. Oh, no, what do you do here? What's your oh, role? Uh, that's right. I'm the chief executive officer. So money man. That's one part of it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Business strategist, general sane and responsible one. <laughs> Holding, telling the line for the, the creatives in our world. Yeah. So I, I handle business stuff so that you guys can focus on creative stuff, which is, which is a lot of fun. And then, um, what was the last one? Greatest fear or favorite dance move? Well, um, among my, my greatest fears would be impromptu icebreaker questions. Um, <laughs> so that's in the top five, if not the top three. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. But uh, in terms of like visceral sort of lizard brain inspired sort of fears, like dark bodies of water, like I have to like sort of oh. like walk myself back from the edge a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's really fun. Um, and I'm a little bit jealous because I realize I, I don't know if I have an answer to my own question yet, but uh, thalassophobia, fun word of the day, thalassophobia, that's fear of deep waters. Really? Yes. Which so is, it's not deep, isn't it? Because I, I, I swim, I don't mind yeah. swimming, but it's, it's like, it's the thing that I can't see. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's the key part of the is thalassophobia, it? like the fear of deep waters is because, well, you can only see 30 feet down or something right. like that. And then you just know, you don't know how far that's it right. goes down and what's there. Okay, thank you, Stephen. Moving on to you. Great. My full name is Claire Lynn Marie Henning. 
Um, Lynn Marie is a family name named after some aunts. But um, yeah, I was born in Los Angeles, grew up there. My role here is digital content director. And we're all looking forward to discovering what that means. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new role. Mm -hmm. um, and then my greatest fear is being trapped in an airport terminal. Mm. Oof. Wow. Wait, so yeah. have you watched the Tom Hanks movie? I haven't. Terminal? And oh, every lovely. time oh, dude, it's fantastic. I talk about it, people are like, you need to watch the movie. Yeah. But it's my genuinely like my worst fear. Whenever I book flights and there's a layover, I need to make sure that if I'm going to be like somehow trapped there, then I'm okay with that. Oh, what a delightfully irrational fear. Isn't That's it? so fun. <laughs> and know. we're going to, so just so you guys know, fun fact, behind us at some point will be like this cool vibey living room space, but there'll also be a projector and a, a screen that comes down because as you're about to learn, part of what we do is make films. And, um, and we're going to watch films sometimes because, you know, that's a fun thing to do as a staff. So we will make sure that we watch Terminal, but you won't be alone with it. So if it gets scary, it's fine. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Joel Parker. Well, it's part of my name, mm -hmm. not my full name. So like Claire, I have four names and all first names. So Joel oh, Chandler, Taylor, Parker. Never the third. Never trust a man with four first names. <laughs> it's a Norwegian thing, I guess. Um, yeah, I was born in Tacoma, Washington, and uh, I'm very proud of that. It's a gritty little city up in uh, up in Washington. Um, my role here is founder and president, and uh, yeah, and then my greatest fear. I didn't let this out in college because I was so fearful of people fi not finding out about the fear, but it was like in a prank or something, I would literally lose it. But I'm, yeah. I'm deathly afraid of fish mm. <laughs> and I don't like them. I'm not afraid of sharks. Of course, I don't want to be eaten by one. I'm not afraid of like whales or dolphins, but fish. And Just so that is a problem fish. for a surfer because they're definitely fish in the well, ocean. It's also a problem in our friendship because fly fishing yeah, is like one of my it's favorite love passions. Language. And you know, I mean, any, he's always any, sending photos of his yeah. fish. I'm like sick. Or come back like, from a trip. Like, Oh dude, you have to see this picture of this fish. And he's like, Oh. <laughs> well, and I, I was on assignment um, two months ago in Papua New Guinea, and I caught a fish. And I love the oh, act of fishing, but the fish in the boat. And I was, I was like, I'm 44 years old, and I'm having this like dilemma. Like, can I grab the fish and hold it up? Because I caught this huge fish. The oh, whole yeah, island was massive. applauding. And I, I wanted to give you a photo, but I, I just, dude, that would have been. I, I would have gotten that framed and put that on the wall in my office yeah. if there's a picture of you holding a massive fish. Yeah, that'd be a great photograph. Can't don't like fish. So, all right. Well, actually, believe it or not, I have four names as well: Joseph, Michael, Steele, Carlson. Steele. Steele is uh, S T E E L E. Hmm. Shout out to my in-laws. Um, that is my wife's maiden name. And so when we got married, we didn't want to, um, it's a strong last name. We love the steel clan and, uh, she's a strong woman. And so we didn't want to lose that part. And so added it into, so she's Cassandra Kelly Steele Carlson. Nice. So we both have four names now. Uh, my middle name is also a family name though. Michael, my uncle, Michael hero of mine. Um, and yes, as I am the editor in chief here, I think I already mentioned that. And, um, actually my favorite dance move is, 
it's I always called it the usher walk. It's like, you know, I spent, I don't know, eighth grade, my next door neighbor and best friend, he like he broke his hip snowboarding and we decided to spend the summer. He was in a wheelchair and we're like, dude, we want to learn how to dance like suburban kids because I'm from Bothell, Washington. Initially, that was my other part of my own question. And uh, so we spent like all summer watching YouTube videos of of Michael Jackson and of Usher and of like, and it was just this hilarious. I was ask, like Usher, the R&B artist or Usher like at church taking oh. your seat. It's like the passing the plate. <laughs> yeah. uh, definitely the cool one. Um, so the R&B artist. Oh, yeah. Right. And so everybody knows, you know, I mean, Michael Jackson invented the moonwalk, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. This beautiful illusion. But then Usher figured out how to do it sideways in this particular way. And so, uh, and then how to like, I guess my, my MJ probably, you know what, MJ actually probably invented both of those. Mm. I should correct myself. So, so, so the, the deal was, though, if, if it was a dance, you have to do it. So can we get a camera? So here's the, I guess here's the problem. Everything's on tripods. So, I mean. Oh, we can cut. We can, we can get this. Aaron, you got this? Yeah, let's. Yeah. Probably that one. Do we cut? No, let's keep it rolling. Like, keep everybody rolling, but let's, we got to get. <clears throat> I really didn't know I was going to go dance move. I have this entire yeah, time. You went I right, right here. We're all talking about uh, yeah. fears. This entire time I was like, what fear am I going to say? <laughs> <laughs> and then I opened my mouth and how came dancing? All right. Okay. We're still. We're, this is live. Okay. Dude, this, this is a podcast. All right. Live. This is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dancing podcast. So, uh, everybody knows, you know, M MJ does the, the moonwalk one, right? But what I'm talking about is. It's sideways, and it's what? And then Whoa. you know, if you like, if you want to do like the box. Good grief! Jeez. You're a showstopper. <laughs> so that's my favorite dance move. Wow. That's okay. My favorite that's All my right. favorite dance move. That's impressive. And that's Amazing. why you're our editor in chief. Many don't know that was uh, <laughs> why we decided to hire you, dude. And through my twenties, that was a great party trick. Weddings, you know. We all have to have something. All right, moving on. <laughs> Thanks everybody for playing this silly little game. Uh, the main point that we're we're gonna try and cover here is a little bit of the backstory. Like I mentioned, maybe you don't know. Maybe you've never heard about nations before, or maybe you've been with us on the journey for some time, and you've kind of been piecing together here or there. You met Joel. You've heard him speak. You've met one of us in some capacity. Um, but so I want to take. I want to rewind a little bit, uh, like a good storyteller and ask the question of where did this all come from? So I'm gonna fast forward a little bit for time and storytelling's sake. The year is 2013 and it's a beautiful sunny day in California and a car pulls into Carlsbad, California. Inside of that car, it's the Parker family. It was a 1973 Dodge Dart, to be no exact. Way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was actually a movie prop from a movie we worked on 2010. And my kids liked this old 73 Dodge Dart so much that, like, we can't get rid of this car. And uh, so we kept the car because, like, on a sunny day, that's what we would take to go get milkshakes or a hamburger or something fun. So the kids are like, that's Both the fun car. We're keeping the fun car. So the fun car actually made it all the way down here. And our 
family Honda Pilot broke down. So we literally drove through LA traffic in a 1973 <laughs> Dodge Dart en route to Southern California. So uh, yeah, we made it. Okay, so what brought you here? Because you guys, you had been doing ministry. You were born and raised up in Puyallup, and yep. you've been doing ministry around there in Tacoma and had a different background and a different life that maybe we'll cover at some point involving snowboarding and action sports. But so you come down here in 2013, uh, exhausted in some ways, looking for the answer to the question of, hey, God, like, what is next? for me and for my family. And uh, so in some ways came down on like a bit of a sabbatical, right? Yep. And started asking that question, that dangerous question of what is next? And the answer is, is <laughs> we're still, that's still <laughs> unfolding. <clears throat> uh, we moved down. Yeah. I took sabbatical, so, but ministry for our family has always been twofold. It's been pastoral and it's been uh, in filmmaking. So, um, yeah, I'd been in a season of pastoral ministries where I was seeing all my friends who had gone through Bible college and seminary with like, man, I can't wait to like engage in pastoral ministries. And some of the people that we had launched with, um, you know, were dropping like flies mm. and, and I'm kind of looking at this like, man, I am this close to making a decision that would impact my life that negatively that way. And the ministry that we'd been so fortunate to participate in. And so I, I started asking questions like, I don't, I need to resolve some of these things in my mind. I, I like, for, for instance, I believed wholeheartedly that God loves you, not on because of what you do. Mm. I would never preach that gospel, but, um, internally I, I didn't trust that. And I mm. still have a hard time trusting that God loves me and it's not about how much work I do. And so anyways, so I, I, uh, I took time and stepped away and um, enrolled in a program uh, that addressed that spiritual formation and leadership. And I, I the, the program was down here. And so um, we decided this was a great opportunity to move from rainy Seattle, Washington uh, down to sunny San Diego, California. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was during that time that I was really, um, I was given that uh, introduction to sabbatical and Sabbath rest. And I, in, and I, I was learning the idea of resting forward, not resting from, because I knew that I would mm -hmm. like work myself to exhaustion yeah. and that rest would be something that was essential as far as recovery, but not resting forward. So as I was finding these new contemplative practices and implementing them into my life, um, I, made, I thought, man, no one's holding a gun to my head. I live in the most um, creative state in the United States, <laughs> California. And what do I want to do when I grow up? Mm. And so that's when I was really too also wrestling with this idea of being an artist. I was having a hard time with feeling almost bipolar, I guess is maybe the best way to put it. Um, if I created a beautiful film, um, a good film, uh, I would, I felt really good about myself, which inevitably led to pride, which inevitably had ramifications. If I made a poor film and people's comments online were negative, I would feel the depravity of that. Mm -hmm. And I would feel like, man, I don't know. Like, I feel like a hoax. I feel like a, a con man. I don't know why I don't, I shouldn't be able to call myself a filmmaker. So I, I couldn't figure out how to um, make content in a healthy way for me. Yeah. Escape the performance trap. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it came to the realization that I felt like I could move forward if I was making films solely for others. Mm. 
And so that's where this idea of uh, creating high quality art for people who were living lives in a were worthy of storytelling. Cause mm-hmm. that was another thing I would get hired to go make films or content for something that really didn't deserve it. Yeah. I don't think it was just, it was forced or it was all centered around fundraising or something. So, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to get back to a place of just storytelling for its core purpose. So moving here allowed all that to kind of begin. Yeah. And to, to that last point, cause I think that's key in our story at nations and it connects to like our value of story is when I've heard you share this story over the, over the years has been, Hey, this, this profound discontent, you look around, like you said, you're getting hired to do gigs or whatnot that just feels like making more content to schlep something. And that could be a cause, you know, uh, and even a good cause organizations that are doing good work around the world, um, faith-based and otherwise, or making content to, to sell a product. Once again, not anything bad or wrong with that. I mean, it's part of how we, how we sell stuff and how the marketplace works, but ultimately not creatively satisfying to you is part of what I'm hearing. And that's kind of coupled with your, your spiritual or pastoral perspective on stuff. We look around saying, Hey, wait a second. If, if God is real, if this story that is the gospel that we're invited to participate in is in fact a vital one. Um, and it's one that carries the power and the weight that it claims to, we should be telling better stories and we should, there should be uh, a world full of incredible stories of hope and of transformation Um, stories that frankly, you know, we just don't see often. And so from that place of discontent, this vision begins to emerge for like, okay, like you said, well, what if I then as an artist made films on behalf of other people? Mm -hmm. So that's a crucial turning point because that's an epiphany for you. And that leads us, I think, if I remember the story correctly, to Mexico. (coughs) Yeah, the the original iteration of Nations isn't what Nations is today. Mm -hmm. Um, Originally, in, in my mind, I wanted to create um, this like <laughs> this like ghost network of high caliber creatives and um, who would use our skill set for you know people who are radically being in the hands and feet of Jesus in the most you know forgotten places mm-hmm. you know these weren't places that most nonprofits are going to um, but these you know so anyways I pitched the idea to um, my good friend Russell Brownlee we were out surfing and he's uh, you know he um, he recently passed away. And so this is a, this is a tough one, but Russell was one of my best friends and he, he, I mean, he produced Hollywood um, type projects. Um, He, Super Bowl commercials. commercials. I mean, he's, he's as good as they get. And I said, Hey, I've got this idea of wanting to get back to the core of why we went to film school, why we studied the craft. And it wasn't to go make commercials for cruise lines or Sony headphones. (laughs) And he goes, man, I agree. And uh, so I pitched this idea of like, would you, you know, give up a couple of weeks of your year to come with me on and participate into a story that I've found and, and get back to that core um, purpose for telling good stories, finding good content. So uh, he was like, dude, that's exactly what mm-hmm. I need in my life. I need to get back to, I wouldn't give you two weeks. I'd give you a month, like, let's do it. And so that's what kind of started this idea of this like invisible network of Mm. top forming creatives Mm. who would, who would come alongside, um, reformers, people who are again, being the hands and feet of Jesus in these, these broken places, these tough places 
And um, from there, uh, we would do it for free. It would mm -hmm. be, you know, the nonprofit that we what we started would be just to kind of cover some of the overhead, but it would be a completely volunteer network. So we started, we found, uh, we wanted to find something in close proximity. We found a story across the border of this orphanage. Um, we go down and we spend time with everybody uh, and we get to, you know, there's a million orphanages in, in Mexico, but this one in particular um, just was different. And we went down and we figured out why it was different. And they really just, they didn't believe in this word orphan. Like they were like, no, it's mm. family and it's it's gotta be family. And if these kids are, you know, continue the identity of being an orphan, um, there's no change. Mm. Um, and so, but if, if we adopt them into family um, and we have a, you know, a, a really high level of, of care for these kids, um, the world could be changed. And, and they, they did that. So we go down, we've got Gregory Woodman shooting photos. We've got Brianna Lance doing copy. We've got uh, designers redoing their website. We've got graphic designers. I Jansen Powers and I made a short film and uh, immediately they're like, Oh my gosh. And they, and Jimmy down at, at Rancho de Sus Ninos goes, look, look at this. Like our volunteerism is up 25%. Our finances are up 33% since like, this is before nations. This is after nations. And we're like, holy cow, we're in business. This is incredible. And so we thought, man, this is great. It's working. And so our next uh, story was one down in Nicaragua, this guy named Mauricio. Mauricio um, was one of the most powerful stories I think we've told at nations, but Mauricio was born in the mid eighties when Esteli Nicaragua was kind of in, it was in the news every night, civil war. It was, it was kind of like the modern day Syria mm -hmm. is today, confusing conflict area. Mm -hmm. Mauricio was born at an, uh, his mom gave birth to him out under this tree. She concealed the pregnancy, didn't want anybody to know. Mm. Once she gave birth to Mauricio, she threw him down an outhouse and tried to bury him with rocks in this outhouse. Mauricio miraculously survives. He, uh, these kids are playing baseball in a nearby field. And they like hear a baby crying. <laughs> and so the whole town comes out, rescues this baby. There's one bus a day that drives an hour and a half into Esteli. They put it on the bus and the baby survives. Well, Mauricio is adopted, um, by uh, uh, this lady who migrates to Los Angeles. So Mauricio just grows up. He's like this hip Hispanic kid. And he finds out at age 15, I believe his story mm. at age 17, he travels back to Nicaragua and nothing had changed there. And so anyway, so he just feels the call of God to go back mm. and to redeem all that brokenness, as you can imagine, trauma, as you can no imagine, kidding. just the confusion. And so I'm thinking, holy cow, this is an incredible story. So we go down there, Caleb Bonanno shoots film, uh, Benj High shoots photos, Brianna Lance, like we sent a team down to go tell the story. We tell the story and we find out that Mauricio really doesn't have an audience. And so we're all volunteers, like we're gifting him all of this content. And he's like, my mom's gonna love this. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, oh no, we have a problem. We just made a major investment and it really doesn't have like, you know, quote unquote, like a return on investment. Like we, we don't know, mm -hmm. like it's just, did we just create a film to create a film for no purpose? So that's when the, we, we felt this pressure to not be invisible, but rather to become visible, that nations would become a platform for people to find stories like Mauricio's because Mauricio's story does not live anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, yeah. it's, it's hidden. So the thing is, is that, you know, um, if we create, if we felt this, this, you know, this vision to create a platform that we would 
you know, find stories like Mauricio's and Rancho de Cisninos and all the other reformers that we kind of have found along the way. So long story, but that's, that's kind of how nations has become what it is today, mm-hmm. a platform. Well, and I love one of the things I love about that story. And I honestly never tire of hearing it because it, it reminds me kind of, of who we are, our core identity. And you mentioned a couple of things. One from the outset, Hey, I, Joel works best as an artist when he's making art on behalf of other people, um, art that's meaningful, that's, that tells a story and that invites other people into a story of what God is doing in the world. Um, and then that, so you experience great success and it seems like we're off to the races and then um, we run into this problem. So each stage of the nation's journey has kind of been following the breadcrumbs from one problem or discontent to another. Um, to responding to one gripping story and to the next. So we go from nations not really existing in the way that we think of nations, you know, as a storytelling organization, you know, and as a platform, this kind of crack ghost squad. uh, And then finally, we're at this place where, okay, hey, we have to become the platform, the, the place to host the stories, not because of a desire to become influencers or to become famous or to become like wealthy in any capacity. It wasn't, it wasn't this goal that was, Oh, I want to be X and then reverse engineer. Like how do I kind of game the system to get there? It was more so just this, like I said, following the breadcrumbs of like, okay, well, Hey, if we, we all experience deep meaning in going to these places, meeting these people, exercising our craft on behalf of stories that meant something that that could impact people, bring hope and inspire them to view the world themselves, you know, and their place in it a little bit differently. So then we get to this place of, okay, we're, um, we've written stories, we've made some films, we've taken some pictures, we got to become a platform. And that first starts out with, and this is Brianna Lance and Greg Woodman and uh, this kind of growing little creative crew. And the magazine is the next step, right? That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it was, I believe it was Brianna Lance's idea. She's like, Hey, I think as, as we, uh, create this platform, we should start with, you know, like a, like a high-end journal. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, we, Which, what year is this, this at that is, point? This is right out of the gate, probably 2015, yeah. maybe, I believe. So, so print media, super lucrative, like high quality <laughs> journals, like definitely the pathway to success. Everyone's like, do you know what you're doing? We're like, no. They're like, <laughs> and then they're like, do you understand that like magazines are going out of business? And we're like, yeah, we've kind of felt like the Walter Mitty story, you know, mm-hmm. like just this it felt like we were living that out. If you keep listening, at some point you will hear much more about a Walter Mitty. A lot about mm-hmm. Walter Mitty. Gosh. <laughs> what a gem of a story. What a gem of a guy. <laughs> Sean Penn, you're invited to this podcast at any point if and, you yeah. somehow hear about this. I will pay you, Sean Penn. <laughs> Easy. Uh, money Big man? Money. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah, cool. We put that in the lineup. <laughs> okay. So it's you guys make the first magazine, which I think we have here. Should we grab some of the journals in some capacity? I'll be right back. Okay, so here we go. Here is volume one. And as you can see, the the, uh, the logo's changed a little bit. logo has changed. What is that cover photo of? Uh, that is of Cuba, Havana, Cuba, shot by James Galt, mm-hmm. who has mm-hmm. been with us from day one as who well. Who is so cool. still in my phone as Cuba James. Cuba James. <laughs> that's only how I knew. He's like, oh, you don't know Cuba James? Dude, Cuba James rules. He's just like wandering around Cuba taking pictures. And James has been, yeah, well, probably one of the one of the core guys um, 
throughout this process and currently serves in lots of different capacities, but a uh, photo director mm-hmm. for the volumes. Yeah. Great, great guy. Yeah. Great guy. I would travel anywhere with Cuba James. New father. I mean. New father. Wow. So this is uh, Mauricio. <laughs> this is his story. What other stories do we have in here? David Curry, CEO of Open Doors. Again, Oh um, yeah, we did a lot of work with them. Oh, here's Rancho de Sus Ninos. Here's uh, Leo, uh, one of the main guys down there. Um, it's really fun. Dave Eubank, who uh, we're, we're going to be doing a, some, we can talk more about that later. Yeah. Video content coming your way. Tease. It's fun to, fun to look at all this. <laughs> a lot of good, a lot of fun memories. Trip there. down memory lane. We've come, we've come far. We've got a couple other uh, volumes. So we're just about to, we're just about publishing. Actually, yesterday I was up at our printer getting to see volume seven start coming off the presses. So more on that later about what we're up to in the future going forward. But I don't want to skip ahead too far. Okay.